today i'm good we're having a good time yes we are you ready time. to do this yes so everybody i did this little thing called a hormone test right many of you probably probably know so uh so little about hormones in general that we decided that we would assume everybody knows nothing and go in depth right on this test uh i have no problem being transparent that's a big big thing that we're doing here is to be transparent and we're figuring all this out together so, Samantha, hi. Thanks for doing this with me. Of so course. let's go. Let's go ahead and we'll start my stopwatch. We're gonna go ahead and we're gonna close that. That's still recording. Good. We're gonna open our tab. We have everything pre-pulled open here. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. So this um, <clears throat> this uh, company, this company that we did this through, Everly Well, right? Everly Well. Everly Well. You found this. You found Everly Well. Yes, I did find Everly Well, and it's spelled E V E R L Y W E L L. Everly Well. And I found this website when I was researching hormone imbalances and I talked to Alex and I was like hey you know they have a sale going on right now we should just buy the two kits they and do. we should figure oh, they out our, they might not still have that our health test they had a men's health test and they had a female health test and Alex took obviously the men's health test right and yeah, I am still currently taking the women's health test so the women's health test is in two parts you take it at on the third, fourth day of your cycle um, during men, menstruation. Menstruation. Yeah. <laughs> menstruation. I'm so sorry. I don't, I'm talking so fast. Um, Keep going. Through menstruation. And then the set, the last part of the test you actually have to take on like day 19 to day 24 of your cycle. And it's, especially if you have irregular cycles, you're kind of just supposed to determine what your hormones level are at. So okay. I am not on day 19 to 24 yet so we can come back with my results later have another episode talk about that um but we are going to talk about alex's results because alex did get his results back what was the process what did you have to do again okay so they had a couple different ways you could do it right you could do it um via i think three ways right urine blood and saliva oh i don't know it depends on the test so yeah but they're all different tests yes i did i did mine saliva though so the men's health test yeah. Um, needed a saliva sample mm. but the yeah, other right. tests that you know they have a variety of tests you can take um, for testing STDs or um, gotta be careful the woman's health test the woman's health test is a blood sample you get two collections of blood samples and saliva so I we didn't have to do the urine or anything like that but I did see some tests do do urine I think yeah they do um, they do but his test only needed saliva, and mine needed blood and saliva, so I, I was unlucky. I had to prick my finger. <laughs> <laughs> multiple times. He didn't have to prick his finger, but I, I had to prick to. it multiple I times. I did it for you. Don't act tough, guy. I did it for you. You do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to have Alex prick my finger because the anxiety that I overwhelms me I when I went to do it. It drives me nuts. <laughs> I literally screamed last time. <laughs> when we finally got a good blood stamp, like, I don't know how um, people would die do it. It's amazing oh that they can do this. I had because a diabetes in high school. Um, I screamed when he you pricked my always, finger. Yeah, he, he would always um, act tough guy about it. He was just so used to it. He was so used to pricking his finger. You get so used to it. All but when you're time. not used to doing it, it's like... 
Honey, it was overwhelming. You do okay. this little thing. What These a, test results. What, a, what do we got, um, Alex? So uh, they have, when you get your test results, they give you a uh, an option to download a PDF. You can save it. It's like a doctor's note almost. So I'm just going to read from that before we dive into anything crazy. What did, wait, go into, what did the men's health test, test for, specifically for you? Oh, oh, okay. Well, I was just, I was going to read, like, what they have here first, and then go into, like, how do I know the test results are accurate? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Everly Well provides consumers with access to a variety of physician-ordered and reviewed laboratory tests through its online platform. How do I know that the test results are accurate? Oh, yep, that's good. We need to know if they're accurate. All of Everly Wells' partner laboratories are CLI certified. Many are also accredited by the College of American Pathologists, or CAP, um, which is, holds the gold standard, gold standard um, in lab testing. It says, uh, our home sample collection methods like dried blood, spot, or saliva have been widely accepted and highly utilized for decades in areas of the laboratory industry, such as neonatal testing and metabolic screening. The instruments and assays, I think that's how you say it, used by our partner laboratories are comparable to those used in the labs uh, in parentheses eg uh, lab corp slash quest and parentheses a doctor's office would then be in yeah, that test would be sent to whatever something about stuff self-collected samples but um assigned by the uh, chief laboratory officer jordan late <laughs> jordan laser md fcap so go look them up but so this is what so now we're down now we're at the bottom of the page and we have our results we have and our you results. do get your results straight from a, a phys- physician a yeah. physician yeah yes. yeah you are kind of you are prescribed a physician and they take care of your results personally and then their name is on your results so uh the chief laboratory officer was jordan jordan laser but um my ordering physician was eric marshall let's see uh let's see mail 24 la 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 for everybody's All information um they about tested. six foot two ranging between 220 to 230 recently so that's like my height and weight range just so you just so you have an idea they um, tested four major hormones yes. for this health test they tested cortisol dhea estrogen, and free testosterone did i say that no, right? yeah, you said <laughs> alex I, gives I, me uh, the look because alex I, is the research straight i'm the researcher i'm the i'm the weird kid that reads the science textbooks so he fun. can say a lot of medical terminology <laughs> very well and I'm over here like yeah I have an English degree but put me in front of people and all of a sudden I cannot speak English <laughs> hey listen I think every video I've seen of you every time I've seen you do something you do a good job so I have no like, I have no proof that you would trip but I guess we're gonna have to figure <laughs> you out you gotta just throw me out there I have to you gotta feed me to the fish <laughs> so I'm going to minimize this. I'm going to pull this up and I'm going to pull this back up so that I can make sure that <laughs> our screen. Oh, is our package here? Maybe. <gasps> yes. It could be. I'm not going to talk about our packages, but we have an Amazon package. Yeah. I don't even Amazon, know what we ordered. In Amazon's the Amazon package. a monopoly, man. They're letting, they're letting what, Amazon people into the people's garages now. What is your results? You know that? Okay. <laughs> um, so for cortisol, my flag was actually low. I actually tested low for cortisol. My result was a 0.8. And then the rest of your results were normal. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And so the reference range, we'll just go into each one as we go down. What does, does cortisol 
a fact. So, okay. We like reliable sources here. So we're going to search cortisol on DuckDuckGo because we like our privacy. We're going to go to the Cleveland Clinic because the Cleveland Clinic is a very, if not the most, reliable source for medical information. I used it in my undergrad degree. I used it, the Cleveland, I referred to the Cleveland Clinic in almost every paper during graduate school for my master's, whether it was for a PE or a kinesiology class. So it's great. But Here's what it says. What is cortisol? We're reading right from the website. It says cortisol is a... Samantha, can you say that? Oh, no. <laughs> glucocorticoid. Yeah. Yeah, it got slowed down. Some things you got to slow down. It's okay if you slow it down. You still sound smart as long as you say it right. Glucocorticoid. Glucocorticoid. <laughs> it's a gluco... You're, saying, you're making me say it too fast. Glucocorticoid hormone that is your adrenal glands produce and release, right? Yeah. Hormones are chemicals that coordinate different functions in your, uh, in your body by carrying messages through your blood to your organs, skin, muscles, and other tissues. These signals tell your body what to do and when to do it. <clears throat> Glucocorticoids. Nailed it! Woo! I don't think I said it right. Yeah. Glucocorticoids. Glucocorticoids. Are a type of steroid hormone. Yeah, hold on. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Are we doing that popcorn reading like we're doing it? I don't know. Do you want me to? That's fine. You go to the second okay. paragraph. They suppress inflammation. <laughs> 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 they suppress inflammation, inflammation in all of your bodily tissues and control me- metabolism in your it. muscles, fat, mm-hmm. liver, and bones. Glucocorticoids nice. also affect sleep-wake cycles. Yes, they do. Great job. Thank you. Okay. Your, your, your adrenal glands, your adrenal glands, they are uh, also known as suprarenal glands. Yeah. Are we going to read this whole page? No, 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 no. Are small triangle-shaped uh, glands that are located to, on the top of each of your two kidneys. They're part of your endocrine system. This is just relevant. We're going to stop after these bullet points. Cortisol is an essential hormone that affects almost every organ and tissue in your body. It plays many important roles, including colon, bullet point one, regulating your body's uh, stress response, uh, helping control your body's use of fats, proteins, carbohydrates, or your metabolism. Suppressing inflammation, regulating blood pressure, regulating blood sugar, and helping control your sleep-wake cycle. So, since your... Ooh, sorry. It's okay. Since your cortisol levels were low, that means that it was affecting your metabolism, your body's inflammation, like how it handles therefore, inflammation. Yes, therefore it makes it... I'm you know, constantly inflamed. Your sleep-wake cycle. Sleep-wake cycle is... Forget about it. Like how this one likes to grab lamps and shake them in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. I do weird things in my sleep. And when yes. you weren't here, when you weren't here a couple months ago, um, before you were here permanently, um, that I would <clears throat> remember I would have stories like I would wake up and I'd turn the shower on in the middle of the night or I'd wake up and all the lights would be on or I would move to the couch and the TV would be on and I'd be like half dressed. It's, 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 so it's almost like I wake up and my brain starts its day and then my body goes back to sleep and my brain keeps going. So like, <laughs> yes, no, literally. So like, and then I'm constantly inflamed, right? I have all these injuries, my back problems. I have, you know, I have injuries in my knees, my shoulders, my back, my, 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 my one ankle, many it's muscles. It's safe to assume that you and I are <laughs> together. Yeah. yeah. I'm just sitting here like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, I, know, I know his sleep schedule. He's <laughs> yeah. No, yes. We are in a passionate relationship. Passionate. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, we are the major goofballs. Ooh. If you put us two in a room together, you'll realize it's, we're the life of the party together. That's okay. That's why they're <laughs> tuning in. If they don't want to listen, they don't have to. That's the beauty of a podcast. Yes. And, and we are very... Blood sugar. We love building that. off of our knowledge. So, yes, oh, yeah. we are going to probably yeah. have quite a few episodes where it's just me and him rabbit holing over fun research <laughs> that's okay this is very valuable information there are many people out here who it's like 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 for me you know i have a very athletic background i've played sports my whole life all the way through college um and through my undergrad i didn't play when my grad school but because I was doing grad school at the same time, but after my undergrad, I didn't continue uh, while I was finishing my education. But I still, years later, I'm still dealing with this inflammation. I'm still dealing with these injuries. I'm still dealing with these experiences that happened when my body was drastically different. You know, my body was drastically different versus when I was in college. And college wasn't that long ago. So the fact that I'm still dealing with metabolic issues and inflammation and things like that from years ago, and I'm just not getting tested. And it turns out I was right the whole time. It is my metabolism. You know, how do you, I went from 290 all the way down to 180 or 179 for a photo shoot. Like it's over the course of two years. Like it wasn't. Now, what was your. And then I gained it right back. Every time time I lost that weight, I gained it right back. What was your stress level like? Like, because it says regulating your body's stress response. So if you were able... Yeah. So your cortisol levels are low now. And you said that that affects your metabolism. So you went all the way down to 180 at one point. What was your stress levels like? Because now your hormones control a lot of different things. So do you think that if you had a lower stress levels during that time period, that that would have helped your metabolism lose weight? Or am I, see, I'm not the big researcher. So these are the questions I like to ask. It's like cortisol affects all these different things, but can it affect them on different levels? Like, can they, like, if you were monitoring your stress levels, is that what made it easier to monitor your metabolism? I, when I was, so my my freshman year of college was the first time that I had gained an extraordinary amount of weight. My freshman 15 was a freshman 82. And with my freshman year gaining so much weight, it totally trashed everything. And I was, you know, I was an athlete coming out of high school, athlete going into college, and I found myself in this weird space where I was trying to make all ends meet and I wasn't doing it very well. And so there was a lot of stuff involved. There was a lot of partying involved. I'm not going to lie. Be transparent here. There was a lot of partying involved, right? And with that being said, uh, transparency is key. And uh, it trashed my metabolism. Staying up late at night. I had, and I was so busy with what I was doing. I was in landscape architecture school. Um, And I was very excited that I got in because only 40 kids get in every year and if you don't get in you have to wait a whole nother year to get in and once I had figured out that that was what I wanted to study uh, West Virginia University where we had went it was very highly ranked in the country when it came to that program so I was like oh my gosh this is a huge honor to do this I met the dean beforehand too and it was really cool but that's a story for a different time and so I went through this experience freshman year where I had all-nighters scheduled throughout the week scheduled and I was on uh, I was on junior varsity at the time Um, but that didn't happen until October so until then I was kind of from the beginning of August when I got dropped off well before that I went to uh, what's it called Adventure West Virginia yeah 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 that's what it's called Adventure West Virginia their their freshman outdoor program they have a program uh, individual West Virginia 
is West Virginia University's outdoor program. And you go out, you move in a week early, and then you spend that week before the official move-in date in the dormitories. Uh, you get together pretty much with a bunch of strangers, just a bunch of kids sign up for it, and you meet everybody when you get dropped off. And they ship you out to the woods, and you're in the woods for a week. And you kind of choose what path you want to go on. But I met a lot of really great people on that trip. And some of them I'm still somewhat in connection with to this day uh, through social media and stuff. So, But whenever we see each other, it's a great time. We have so much fun. After that was my decline because once I had gotten comfortable in my surroundings, I went from a class of 80-something in high school to a class of 5,000-something in college within a couple weeks. And I took advantage of that. And I gained all this weight and I didn't know how to handle my academics. There were a lot of factors that played into it. And I was away from my brother. So I didn't have anybody, I didn't have my twin brother anymore to exercise with. I didn't, you know, I was making friends right off the bat, but um, I've never had a problem with that. But my problem was staying who I was. And I started to conform into this person that I didn't actually want to be. And where I ended up was at the end of that dark tunnel. I looked at the dark tunnel and I had no problem walking down it because I was having a good time. And by the time I got to the end of it, I looked and the light was really small. It's like a little dot. And I knew I had a long way to get back out. And I'm still getting out of that tunnel. The first time I lost the weight, I went all the way down and lost 100 pounds in the summer. I went from oh, almost 100 pounds. I went from about 290-ish to about 190-ish. And I was working out twice a day, including my shift on the farm with Dave. And it was brutal. Brutal. I mean, the heat was brutal. I was in the field eight hours, six to eight hours a day, sometimes including weekends too, to make my work, you know, work on weekends to make my work during the week easier. So I ended up working all the time. And so... Was um, that during the summer, just during the summer or was that... It was during the summers, any time that I was on break, okay. any time that I came home, even if it wasn't on break, which was rare, but it still happened. And, uh, or if I came through and I just needed a couple bucks and I'd drive up, I'd work and I'd drive back. And it was always a place of refuge for me, but I worked my ass off man you know I, I really busted and that allowed me to lose the weight the combination of all that exercise but even after that experience I still hadn't have been hadn't been educated enough I was still in that fitness realm that everybody gets stuck into and I didn't educate myself so I lost all the weight and I was shredded ended up gaining a little bit more weight back healthily never breached 215 for like three years never went above 215 i was looking good because i was able to put muscle mass on in that time and then i tore my other my other labrum downhill from there covid happened i I literally tore my labrum the second covid happened and it started to get into the big cities in the united states and people started taking it really seriously because it started to cause some real chaos in like kansas city missouri and along the west coast you know so it was like oh boy and i tore my labrum next you know we're on lockdown gyms clothes that trash my metabolism I gain at least 15 20 more pounds ever since I've stayed around there and now I'm back on my way down again and it's like that's why I took the hormone test right I had and I'm sorry for talking for so long but that's what we're here for that's what we're, we're here having for, a right? conversation needed, we're learning about I needed to go down that deep dark rabbit hole make, and you know make what? the wrong friends eat the I'm wrong I'm really foods. glad that you are opening up and you're talking about this because now you have a job and personal training and it's really important to know like you care about your clients you care about your clients and you you want to help them get on a better path, but it's important to know what got you into it. Like what got you so invested in health and fitness. And with this podcast, 
being strictly about health and fitness and just learning about research and even just exploring it. So it's important to know that, you know, you had an experience that you looked at yourself and you were like, I'm going to work harder and I'm going to, you know, get myself back to where I want to be health wise, you know? Did the timeline make sense? Yeah, the timeline made sense. You you know, you explained it straight from freshman year up until the point and, you know, finding out that when I mentioned hormone imbalances, you were instantly interested and when I was talking about it I was thinking mostly about obviously my own health and like a lot of female health that isn't you know acknowledged as much so it was really important that you shed it a light when you looked at me and you said maybe my hormones are off and we looked at each other and we were like okay let's investigate and there then was we no did way that they weren't I was convinced it's been yeah. as you can see six years almost seven years since I gained weight for the first time seven years and you've been that's very emotional You've been struggling and working so hard, and I've been so proud of you, but you have been struggling and working so hard to get your metabolism back on track and dealing with stress and all those, sorry. (laughs) You're fine. It's just I went through such an emotional journey during that time because I knew my hormones were were off, but I couldn't couldn't get help. You didn't know what kind of diet you needed to work with adjusting that hormone and fixing that. Every time I would reach out, I would be totally just kind of ignored, you know? Yeah. Um, but then I would hear, like, there were a couple of bodybuilders who went to the YMCA that Isaac and I, my twin brother, would work out at all the time. We went there since we were kids. And ever since before we were born, my dad went there, you know. And it was like, a, it was like a, everyone knew our family. But um, we worked out there, and there were a couple of bodybuilders, and they would look at me like I was crazy. Like, I had six eyes when uh, I would talk about hormones and my metabolism. But five seconds later, the main, you know, the most successful bodybuilder, who was also a trainer and helped run the gym help manage a great guy james youngblood great guy fantastic but i heard him complaining about his uh cholesterol how his cholesterol is really high this dude's chiseled chiseled huge yeah. shorter than me but he's got some serious muscle on him at least 200 pounds and he was like you know com- enough to compete in regional championships kind of good which is huge if anybody listening to this isn't an upkeeper when it comes to like bodybuilding and fitness competitions it was it was always wild to me that i had to go through this whole process right now just discovering seven years almost this up to this august will be seven years ago it's wild. Yeah. That is insanity to me. Because I would go through summers and I would go through like emotional swings that would last months, you know, and then things would happen. I would get injured or I would lose weight and then I would gain weight and then I would lose it again. All you know, I would fluctuate. I would be working hard and pressuring myself to eat so much at the same time that sometimes within a three day period I would fluctuate about eight to ten pounds a night. Yeah. Every night I would fluctuate so much weight because that's how much I was pushing through my body all the supplements i was taking all the working out all the hydrating all the starving myself you know it was a very it was a very hard thing to do how crazy is it now that when i hear hormone imbalances i instantly think psychology i instantly think the mental illnesses mental disorders and everything i didn't realize even though how important it is your hormones being balanced is so important for just your body in general your organs and everything right. and it monitors everything Jesus, but when you we, talk we, about we, it talking about this whole thing all because of one of these things i know all because of cortisol it's off balance and 
I just think it's crazy, and, and it's so important. Four, let alone how many more there are. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry, that just, when you were talking, the words you were using helped me realize that this is how just How is this research not talked about a lot hormone. more? One hormone. Can we just talk about Thank that? This is God one hormone that's off balance. sponsored by somebody balanced. who cares about this stuff. Yeah. One hormone's off balance, and it throws off your whole metabolism where you can't monitor your stress levels, and it's like, how crazy is it that we don't associate it with normal, not normal, but how crazy is it that we don't associate it with actual health issues and not just our minds? Everything's you know? controlled by hormones. Every time I hear hormone imbalance, I think this is in our depression heads. and anxiety <clears throat> and all the things that a psychologist, and I'm somebody who was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, so I was never told, hey, check your hormones. Yeah. I, I was never, che- I was told, here's a bottle of prescription meds, figure it out. But I was never looked at and like, hey, let's test your hormone levels. Let's see where it goes. Because just balancing your hormone levels with a good diet, even exercising the way that you need to, this stuff can get you off of those prescription medicines. I mean, it's going to take time, but think about it. If you're correcting those hormone imbalances in your minds, these things could contribute to trying to give you to a healthy lifestyle where you don't have to depend on prescription medicines all the time. You know what I mean? I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, but then we found out that it was a lot of the anxiety came from my personal environment during the time. And I was prescribed constant prescription medicines that were serotonin uptakers. And we found out that every single time I was taking them, I was having seizure-like activities with each one because I didn't need it. I didn't need it because I was just experiencing trauma. I was experiencing a lot of trauma for years that was causing my body to respond very negatively. And I don't have my results yet for to figure out which hormones are imbalanced. But since, you know, hormone imbalances runs in my family genetically and, you know, we all have our different disorders, you know, it's just safe to believe that I definitely have some hormones that definitely need balancing, especially because I was so deficient uh, most of my life. So we discovered that even though I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, when I got out of my environment that I was in and I was, you know, I felt safe, I started stabilizing. I take lorazepam as needed, but I haven't taken it for years. And, you know, I haven't had major panic disorders as I used to have. I used to have them all the time. I was in the hospital once a month, every month for years. And then, you know, I met Alex and we're still working through the kinks, but I incredible am overall incredible a whole different person than I was when I met him. Everybody sees physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, right? You have matured as a person. You have conquered a lot of the demons that conquered you. And, you know, for two decades. Yeah, for years. You know, and yes, you are correct. And I'm a 20, I'm 23 years old. This you environment. Know? It, it was an environment. Every Most of my trauma, it was almost my whole life. I had trauma my whole life. Before meeting Alex, I was in a relationship that, you know, was just toxic for both of us. And while I was in it, I was in the hospital all the time trying to fight symptoms, physical symptoms I was having. I was throwing up. I had terrible, hot, like, gut health. My mind was in such a bad 
bad place. And I was having physical symptoms, pains, aches, everything. And I was in the hospital all of the time and they couldn't find anything wrong with me. It was because of my environment. It was because it was such a poor environment at the time. And it negatively influenced my body and my mind. And I was telling myself I was sick and I wasn't sick. It was just, I was in such a bad place. I was in such a bad mental place. It was a really hard time for me. And, you know, after getting myself out of that environment and getting myself into a better situation, I'm not even on prescription medicines anymore. And they benefit a lot of people. They do. But for me and my personal experience, they did not benefit me. Um, I'm not on that kind of medicine anymore. I do have lorazepam if needed. But like I said, I haven't taken in years. I changed my diet. I started exercising. I started getting back into things that I love. And Alex has been such a safe place for me. (laughs) He has guided me in his research a lot of things. You know, he's my personal trainer. He's my best friend. Um, He's my nutritionist. (laughs) He has gotten me a lot better with my nutrition. I was having sugar, like processed foods all the time, a lot of sugar, a lot of things that messed me up. And so it's, it's safe to know that I put myself on a better path with my health and that has, you know, helped me stop having anxiety all the time. It's reduced my panic attacks. It's helped in so many ways. Overall, it's just sometimes when your hormones are imbalanced, it can contribute to a lot of the anxiety you're feeling, you know, having a bad diet, not getting enough exercising, all of this stuff. And I speak from experience because I right. was This is your genuine experience. Genuine not, experience. This is genuine. Yes. I went from a diet of eating beef stew, like the canned more, like dirty (laughs) mores, beef stew every day. Um, I was working. I've always worked so much. I've worked 40 plus hours a week since I could even work. So I'm sitting there and I'm, I eat the, I eat those kind of foods. I eat McDonald's. I was eating McDonald's all the time. I was drinking Pepsi. I, I would have a glass of water once a week. Like my diet was so bad before I went to college. (laughs) And then it started I was starting to benefit from changing my diet a lot. You know, when I got to college, I started cooking my own meals, started experimenting because, you know, I wasn't taught a lot of recipes before I left home. So I had to that's, cook chicken. That's a and great first. That's a great reason to have a kitchen, though. Yeah. That's why I had a kitchen in college. I was going to be an RA because it would have made it a lot cheaper, especially as a student athlete. You I know, changed my diet in so many ways that when my mom came to visit, yeah, she went crazy groceries like she looked at my fridge and she thought I had nothing because my diet was so completely different Mm -hmm. from what you know we grew up with so she she went grocery shopping and god bless her it was the sweetest thing but I had pizza rolls (laughs) and those pizza those pizza bites yeah pizza bites I had pizza bites in my fridge I had chips and everything for a long time because it was just stuff that I no longer ate I had soda um I still like to enjoy you know soda pop every now and then but I do not like drink it consistently anymore. And I drink probably like eight glasses of water a day. My diet being completely changed helped contribute to a lot. Like I do not, and I socialize a lot more. I used to be somebody who would hide out in my dorm room or just try to avoid the social events. Mm -hmm. And now I socialize a lot more and I will, and I would be somebody who'd hide in the corner at the party. Do you know what I mean? Those people who like to just like observe things, but not really input. 
and during that time period, obviously, my anxiety was rough, and I was in a place where I didn't feel like I fit in in a lot of social events. So I kept myself from allowing myself to get out of my comfort zone, and I kept myself from experiencing those events by socializing with people and getting to know people and being that outgoing spirit. But since, you know, growing into myself of who I am personally and letting that just kind of come out, I am a lot more of a social butterfly. I like to put myself in those positions where I go out and I get to know people. And I mean, I still like to watch TV every now and then, but I'm not who I used to be at all. You know, you know, all of this is possible if your cortisol is low. <laughs> yes, the full circle. If your hormones are circle, imbalanced, it can contribute to a lot of these things. Think about it. If your metabolism tanks, yeah. first of all, personal experience, think of this situation. You have been an athlete your whole life, every day. You bleed some sort of athletic something, mm-hmm. right? Whether you play a sport or you get involved in a recreational activity, something active, anything active, right? Active enough to where you are naturally just baseline a healthy individual you never lose the weight no matter how active you are no matter how good you eat no matter how many supplements you take you could put on 10 pounds of muscle mass lean muscle yeah and never see it ever because you still have that fat on top you know that's me no matter how hard i dieted no matter how hard i would research and educate myself for how much water i drank or what diet i tried well first off if you're doing a diet if you're doing it wrong you should eat good foods in moderation in moderation as you need them and always always have them as a resource you know you should never go hungry or rely on a grocery store but that's a whole nother ballgame the just the metabolism being off can send you down a rabbit hole of depressedness you don't lose weight you lose confidence you don't go to the gym you don't wear the same kind of clothes you don't go out in public you don't hang out with your friends that means social anxiety that hits you you have problems with your family because having your overweight you know all this weight packed onto your body because your metabolism now guess what's thrown off your hormones your organs are affected everything's affected simply because you have an excess amount of adipose tissue fat in quotation marks i think we totally lose sight of how our body let's review 30 seconds real quick the nature of our bodies if you have you know, on a base level, you need food for energy. Your body as an organic figure is going to genetically evolutionize and find a way to store energy, right? And that is your adipose tissue. That's that function. So if your metabolism is messed up, that means your body's ability is now finding a way to uh, now store this energy, right? So if you have this ability to tap into your extra storage and you have that messed up, you know, that's going to be a really bad process. That's like a warehouse, but the manager's really bad. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? So none of the stuff is going to get used. None of it's going to be sold. None of it's going to be spent. Spent is that word. You want to spend that excess energy. That's how you get rid of that fat, that adipose tissue that hangs on to your love handles and pisses you off. That's why you've been dodging spaghetti for the last two months. Because you're trying to fit into your wedding dress. And, you, yeah. and we, we center this whole fitness industry, this whole health industry. Health plays such a large role and avoiding it also plays such a large role to stay healthy. Yeah. But if we just teach everybody how this basic functionality works, how the human body works, a lot of people don't understand. If you consume less than you expend, right, you're then going to use that excess energy. Your body is being forced to go into ketosis. 
and you're going to be forced to metabolize your excess energy, that adipose tissue. Why do we have adipose tissue? Because in ancient times, we did not always have access to resources. We didn't have a pound of cashews available in the cabinet, right? We didn't have refrigerators. We didn't, you know, we might have gone days without eating at a time. And that was very normal. And our bodies haven't changed at all. Barely. I mean, yes, sir, we have evolved, of course, naturally, as we do. But that's not the point. The point is that very little has changed inside. And we need to understand that on a very base level. And there's a lot of other things that play into this, like geography, how your body's built. Now, since we've been practicing poor health for decades, especially in the Western Hemisphere, right, <clears throat> with West the Western diet, you know, yeah. it all of this has kind of snowballed in a very short amount of time. I mean, even in the past few decades, you look at the average person in the 50s and 60s, and there are very little overweight people. There are very few people with metabolism issues, and if anybody is obese, it's like, oh. <gasps> Like, it wasn't even, like, there was no insults for it. There was no social acceptance of it. We've come to the point where some people in public are trying to force other people to accept obesity in many ways. Even in a very scientific, health-related way. Being obese is not okay. It is unhealthy. Yeah. Yes, you should always be comfortable. You should always be confident and accept yourself and have that spiritual awakening so that you can drive to be yourself. I've never had, I had a six pack once in my life and it was because I starved myself and I worked way too hard and it actually resulted in, in some serious damage to my body and my mind. And I'll never go down that rabbit hole ever again. Yeah. But with that being said, right, we have to under, just to full circle, we go back to our base level. And so I have missed the role of food and that has screwed up our metabolisms. And as I approach my hormone approach, full circle. Yep. This hormone test is my next step. That's why I did it. That's why I'm doing a podcast on it. That's why I'm going down these rabbit holes with you and everybody else. Because after seven years of very emotional, physically damaging journey, I still have to face the fact that I have years until I reach my goal physique. And that's not, I'm not a bodybuilder, you know, that's, no, that's not me. But I do have a dream physique. Yeah. And I will get there, but it's going to take me a while. Because I have to be safe. I have injuries, I have precautions. I have learned over years of experience and trauma. And that's what makes us credible. That's what makes you credible about this. You have gone through such poor environments and you have come to so many different barriers in your life, whether it's people or environments or materialistic things that just inconvenience you every day. You had to topple these things and yeah. it has resulted in that physical abuse on your body, that toll, that in itself has affected your hormones. And that in itself led to your journey into the medicinal world, into your journeys going to the hospital and trying to figure things out. And the doctor's not figuring anything out. Yeah. And reading the books and trying to apply things yourself and things not working. And we're still trying to figure this out. It's very complicated and very intense. And the average person does not have the resources or the education to tackle it. And these are things that are just accepted. It's accepted that old people go to the hospital. No, you should never go to the hospital. The hospital is for, and doctors, they are for fixing broken things. You always should do your own research when it comes to diet diagnosis and things like that and personally how can how can you improve your diet or certain exercises do your own research when you get a medical diagnosis because I cannot tell you how many times I felt like I was medically gaslit 
you know, as a patient with a doctor. And I explain my symptoms. I can count for you. I explain my symptoms. I'd end up in the hospital with severe, like, gut health problems. And not once did they look at me and say, take a probiotic for your gut health. I was told to take a probiotic. I didn't... (laughs) And healthy bacteria in your system is such an important thing. You know, I was told, okay, you have poor gut health. You're backed up. Like and this is TMI, but this is just as important as the cortisol and the metabolism. So let's let let's yes. please, let's please kind of leave that to the wayside. Let everybody steep in that and continue with this little rabbit hole here. Yes, and with TMI, like this is gonna be a little bit of TMI, but when you're extremely backed up, you get extremely sick. Oh, and I was a lot of problems in and out, completely backed up, and not a single one of them said take a prebiotic and take a probiotic. You know, and it's so important to take your prebiotics and probiotics because you have. Have, your body runs on this healthy bacteria like this healthy bacteria is everywhere you know it helps you fight your like it helps you with your immune system it helps you recover from things a lot faster obviously immune system <laughs> I don't okay. know why I repeated myself okay. but you know this having healthy bacteria that can help you fight off infections and everything is so important and I had I had no healthy bacteria in my gut I had no healthy bacteria in my female reproductive system and I didn't even know that was like such a major thing and so I I found out I didn't have it when you know women we should always go to the gynecologist I went to the gynecologist she looked at me she said you have no healthy bacteria so you need to get yourself on a prebiotic a prebiotic specifically to benefit your reproductive system and they are separate you know you can take a prebiotic and a probiotic at the store and it's they're different from taking that probiotic that is necessary for your female reproductive system so you got to make sure you're taking like two different probiotics a day just to contribute to that good healthy bacteria in your gut and in your reproductive system because it's very important and it's just as it's just as important for males to have you know a healthy prebiotic and probiotic too made a difference for me in a lot of ways getting onto prebiotics and probiotics yes it's it makes a huge difference i found my female um probiotic from love wellness it's a website they have a female probiotic I was taking it for, I probably have been taking it for most of my analysis relationship for years now. And it helped significantly. When I tell you that it was so hard for me to, you know, have any intimacy or anything like that without being in pain, it was a real thing. And it causes real problems for your reproductive health. Um, I'm polycystic. I was diagnosed at 16. And when the doctor told me that I was polycystic, polycystic PCOS is polycystic ovary syndrome. It's when you have many cysts on your ovaries. And this can contribute to infertility and a lot of major things if left untreated. I was told at 16 years old that I was polycystic. But when I was told, I was told not to worry about it. I was told not to worry about it from my male doctor because I was not at an age where I wanted to get pregnant. So not to worry about it. So I wasn't told in advance. poor health, he was like, okay, we're just going to sideline this for a little bit. Because of my age. You want to be pregnant anyways. So we don't need this to be healthy right now. He, yeah. So is that, is that what you're saying? He said, is that, is that, "Am I getting this right?" He was a male doctor, oh, and he God. told me at 16 that I was polycystic. And to me, I had to do like he printed out research and like on papers. He went online, he printed it out, he gave it to me. He said, "Just re- research it, read about it, figure it out." Instead of sitting down and talking to me and telling me, "Hey." 
this can lead you to infertility in the future if you can benefit from trying to treat it now. Instead, he looked at me and he said, so do you want to go on a birth control? Do you know how bad birth control, like a birth control pill is for the female health? Just in general, even for a person who's already at baseline, horrible. Yeah. In my family, um, strokes actually run in my family and birth control pills lead women to having strokes. Right. It causes stroke problems. It causes a lot of different problems. And so I was already kind of a risk factor for having strokes as an adult. So putting me on a birth control pill at that age wouldn't have been highly recommended. And so, and I'm not on a birth control pill. It works for some women. It does. But for me, it didn't. Um, It was causing, it was causing stroke-like symptoms. So we addressed those problems with, you know, at the time when I was having stroke-like symptoms, we addressed it immediately because obviously since they run in my family, we did not want me to grow up to be somebody who has strokes. So we were off of the birth control and everything. But it was a thing when, if it was treated differently when I was 16 and I was told, hey, you're polycystic, here's the kind of nutrition that you can get on, here's what kind of exercising can help you benefit and prevent this from becoming a thing down the road. And now I'm at, I'm 23 years old, I'm at childbearing age, you know, that point in my life where if I want to have a child, I can try to have a child. I am polycystic, so I have a lot of cysts on my ovaries. And we saw this recently when I had my ovary scanned is that I had a lot of cysts. So it can cause problems now. If I was trying, it can lead to miscarriages. It can lead to ectopic pregnancy. Ectopic pregnancy is such a big thing right now. There's a lot of people banning. So ectopic pregnancy is when women get pregnant and the chat, like the egg is outside of the uh, uterus. So it can get stuck in the fallopian tubes and that can burst and it can kill a woman. So like abortions are being banned right now in different states, but like it's like life or death for the woman herself. So you're saying that if a female of childbearing age has an ectopic pregnancy, even a healthy female, she she has a high risk of dying. She has a high risk of dying, but abortion could save her life. Abortion can save her life. Unfortunately, when you have an ectopic pregnancy, it's in many cases, you're not, you're never going to make it to a full pregnancy. It can kill you. It will kill you in a lot of chances. Right. So ectopic pregnancies, they're not actual, they are, they are actual pregnancies, but if the baby is not, if the egg is not located inside the uterus where it can, where the baby can develop healthy, and it's located in, in a different position, a different organ. Yeah. If it's located in a different organ in a woman and it continues to grow, a fallopian tube can rupture. And Naturally, they're very small. Yeah, so this can cause ruptures. It can cause internal bleeding and it can kill It can kill the mother. Um, so ectopic pregnancies are the best solution is an abortion, unfortunately, in most cases. Yes, of course, it's unfortunate. I don't do a lot of research on ectopic pregnancies. We, we can. So. I will I will say I'm not a doctor or nothing like that. Um, this is just personal research that I had to do. Um, duck, duck, go. Like I said, why not? I'm at that age where I'm going to eventually want to start having a family. And while I'm trying to have a family, it's important to do your research to make sure that your diagnosis in those cases aren't going to be a high risk for your life or, you know, your child's life because it can cause preterm, preterm birth is very common in women 
with polycystic ovary syndrome. They end up having an early pregnancy. That's what a preterm is. Um, they deliver early. That is a risk for the baby on a lot of occasions. And a lot of occasions it works out fine. But, you know, there's always a risk. And the woman's health and the child's health is at risk. So if I knew at 16 years old and my doctor looked at me and he was like, you're polycystic ovary syndrome, here are the ways that we can decrease those risk factors for when you do want to have a baby. Because just because I'm a 16-year-old teenager doesn't mean that one day I'm not going to want to be a mother, you know? Even though it's not in my mind then, it doesn't mean that my future gets to be... My future... What would have happened if you would have gotten pregnant early? Um, you know what I mean? Like, what if he did what he did, and then a couple months later, you pop a positive pregnancy test? To have, you know, a lot, a lot of females so, get pregnant really young. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so, in a lot of occasions, bears. so PCOS, when you're discovering it, at a younger age, it's not uncommon for the woman to have a full pregnancy without complications. When you're discovering it at an early age, um, having it in my teenage years, there are a lot of women who do, and have have a full-term pregnancy. My mom, um, she was a teenager when she had her first few children. You know, she had successful pregnancies with them, and she was polycystic too. Well, she is polycystic still, but, you know, she's not trying to have babies anymore. Right, but right. Um, she had successful pregnancies. So when you're polycystic and you first find out in your teenage years, you're still at that young where you don't have to worry about the complications. It's really when you start getting into your mid-20s, early 30s, and so on is when the complications start becoming a, like a risk factor for your life. I'm not saying that there aren't some teenagers who were polycystic who had complications during their pregnancies because they probably did. From my own research and from what I know, this is like what I can tell you. Um, if I was 16 and I was polycystic at the time when I found out, I probably would have been able to have um, a successful pregnancy. I probably still can now. It's just more or less, you know, I, I haven't entirely started trying. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm just doing the research to make sure that when I do want to, I'm going to be healthy and my baby's going to be healthy. But it was kind of a gaslit situation, you know, because I was looked at and because of my age, this could have been treated earlier and it could have prevented the factors of like me being in my 20s now. I'm in my early 20s and I have a lot of women who are polycystic that I know, especially Especially an ultrasound tech that I talked to once, she was polycystic. She told me that she had her first baby at 21, her second baby at 23, and when she wanted to have a third baby and her last baby at 26, she was no longer able to have a successful pregnancy without miscarrying. A really good friend of mine, I'm not going to mention any names or anything, but she also has polycystic ovary syndrome and she has problems with infertility and she's in her late 20s. And these are, she's also in her late 20s. So these are high-risk situations where it's like if it was treated if my nutrition or my exercising if anything I could have done to postpone or balancing my hormones circling back hormone imbalances can be a risk factor for PCOS discovering where those hormone imbalances lie can help prevent these kind of diagnosis in women so that is a major reason why now that I'm at a you know fertile age and one of my most fertile ages and also wanting to have a family and all these things this is why I decided to investigate my hormone imbalances through 
Everly Well and get the women's health test, which can help you determine where your fertility levels are at and also, you know, just your health in general. And this was really important to me to make sure that we can investigate into this as as a serious couple who wants to have a family. It's really important for me since I'm polycystic and I want to prevent any, you know, health risk for myself for having a child that I made sure to go through with this test and try to figure out where my hormone imbalances are. And, you know, it's really important that you do the research for yourself with your diagnosis is <laughs> multiple, if you have multiple, to make sure you do the research and exercise and get better nutrition help and everything you know just to make sure that your health is as perfect as it can get you want to make sure you are contributing to your health because it's so important you know it's it's wild (laughs) that you had such damning experiences at such a young age with you know with your body with hormones with your mental state with your environments it's just it's wild so we had that whole rabbit hole. I love it. I love it. That's what we're here for, right? We're here to go down these rabbit holes. But it just, it just goes to show that one thing can rabbit hole. You know, it can rabbit hole for a while, and everything is connected on every level. Everything's connected. So we have uh, we have cortisol, cortisol, and then we have DHEA. My result for DHEA was 252, which is a normal level. The reference range for the normal reference range for DHEA levels is. Uh, um, 42 to 578 PG slash ML, which for those who do not know, stands for picograms per milliliter, scientific unit of measurement. And and for those of you who don't oh, know, yeah. DHEA is a hormone that is also in your adrenaline gland, and it adrenal helps produce gland, other hormones, including testosterone and estrogen. So it is kind of an important hormone for when you're trying to monitor your fertility. This is a very important one. Where'd you get that from, Samantha? I got it from the same website. We have been using this whole time. <laughs> really? Because we were using my website earlier. Yeah, the clinic. Mayo Clinic? Mayo Clinic, yeah. Mayo Clinic. Mayo. I hate Mayo. I hate <laughs> Random fact, Samantha hates Mayo because, I don't know. That may have to do something along the lines of your medical condition. Please don't judge me. So, yes, 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 yes. For all of those, um, I'm on WebMD, she's on Mayo Clinic, or whatever. Um, the uh, DHEA stands for, let's, let's, uh, let's spell this out for everybody. Did you use Mayo Clinic earlier? I've been using Cleveland Clinic, WebMD. Okay, you've been using Cleveland Clinic. Um, I use Mayo Clinic too. Yeah, I was talking about I'm, Mayo Clinic. I've been using everything. Dehydro... Epi, right? Dehydroepiandrosterone. Androsterone. Yep, there you go. Dehydroepiandrosterone. Can you say that? I almost said it wrong. I'm the one that's supposed to know this stuff. No. (laughs) I can't. That's why it's called DHEA. I guarantee so many people understand what DHEA is, and they may may even have an in-depth knowledge, but... I highly doubt that they know how to pronounce it, let alone what it stands for. DHEA levels were good. DHEA levels were good. But we're going to, yes, we're going we're gonna to go down this a little bit. So you're right, Smith, though. Hey, by the adrenal glands, it does go down as you get older. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people do know that. Um, but they do tank, right? They do lower with depression, especially after menopause for women. I'm just reading from the website. People commonly use prescription DHEA for vaginal. Vag- 
vaginal tissue thinning supplements are used for skin depression infertility muscle strength heart disease erectile dysfunction or ed and many other conditions but there is no good scientific evidence to support many of these other uses dhea is banned by the national collegiate athletic association the ncaa the international olympic committee and the world anti-doping agency it says don't confuse dhea with 7 alpha hydroxy dhea 7 7 beta hydroxy dhea and 7 keto dhea they are all different forms of dhea but are not the same we are strictly talking about let's say it again dehydroepiandrosterone <laughs> samantha okay so, so yes, and that was obviously a normal for... So we have cortisol low. DHEA, little normal, right? But almost too high. We're going to keep it where we need to be because it's, it's good It's good where it's at. A little higher couldn't hurt me, but uh, let's see. Estradiol. Let's see. Do I have it pulled up? Yes, I do. Let's see. WebMD. Uh, WebMD is good. It's not my favorite. WebMD is not Estradiol my favorite. Estradiol is the primary hormone in female birth controls. Yes, um, it, is. it is the hormone that they are trying to increase in women to decrease, you know, the testosterone and all the things that can. That was when I was told to be put on birth control for polycystic ovary syndrome. They will put you on a birth control that is more estradiol, estrogen, which is the hormone for women, um, to increase estrogen and decrease testosterone um the increase of testosterone is what contributes to a lot of poly i think it's accidentally overlapping oh no there it is okay it's moving along as we go it just won't let me see it so mine's normal right that's mine the, the, the normal range is uh for estradiol i think that's how you say it i'm not sure 0.4 to 3.3 picograms per milliliters right that that that's the healthy range um mine's normal mine was 1.4 uh picograms per milliliters but uh we're all good and then the last one which was normal but a little lower than for my age range is free testosterone so let's pull that up do you have that pulled up so um this is webmd again see what does the test uh, that's the testosterone test Symptoms of low testosterone in men include fatigue, depression, or trouble concentrating, hair loss, loss of muscle mass, low sex drive, swollen breasts, trouble getting or keeping an erection, weak bones called osteoporosis. Yes, we know osteoporosis. Let's see. Um, some things that cause low testosterone can also cause a low sperm count. If your sperm count is low, your doctor might order this test, or that's a hormone test. But um, That's important. In women, the... So if you're having, is it low? Okay, high testosterone or low testosterone? You you have it pulled down. Oh, um, low testosterone in women can cause fertility yeah. problems, low sex drive, skipped or no menstrual periods, which are symptoms of PCOS or endometriosis, uh, vaginal dryness, and weakened bones, osteoporosis. So, yes, Samantha, women have testosterone, too, and yes, men have estrogen. Okay, there's a balance in both. There has to be a balance there has in to be. hormones. A lot of bodybuilders know this, but a lot of regular people don't know this. Do Having a high level of testosterone also causes skipped or no periods. Also, excess hair on the face or body, deep voice, hair loss on the head, darkened areas of skin, acne and oily skin. And high testosterone also can cause PCOS. So, you got your low testosterone and high testosterone that can cause PCOS. So free testosterone, let's be clear, let's be clear. Free testosterone is not strictly 
your testosterone levels. That is just your free testosterone that is flowing throughout your body. Let's see. I'm going to try to find an exact. I want to give the people what they want. And what the people want is credible information. All right. Let's see. Here's clevelandheartlab.com. And this is the information it gives about free testosterone. It says that total testosterone, which isn't free testosterone, uh, circulates primarily as protein bound to sex hormone binding globulin. Only 2 to 3% exists in free biologically active forms. Testosterone is weakly bound to albuin. I, I don't know if I'm saying this right. And can be reversed easily. Therefore, albuin bound and free testosterone are considered to be bioavailable testosterone. The highest testosterone levels peak at 30 to 40 years of age in adult men. The level starts to decline steadily after the fourth or fifth de- decade to adult male levels. So free testosterone tests may be used to evaluate infertility, erectile dysfunction, or osteoporosis in men, and to evaluate ercetism, polycystic ovary disease, and viralization in women. The test may also be used to monitor the efficacy of testosterone-lowering therapies in prostate cancer. That's all it tells me about free testosterone. I love that. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's more than enough that people need to know. And we can expand more on testosterone and things like that later on. You know, we don't need to do that right now, but I do want to wrap this up on a twist with talking about these seeds that we have here. We have been, right, with our probiotics and things of that nature, we were diving into some some natural remedies, right? Natural ways to go about tackling our digestive issues, our intestinal issues, um, especially since the probiotic and the prebiotic, we were still working our way in with that, still having problems with the doctors and such. And so we were put in this position where it's like, okay, let's really dumb things down uh, because because through my experience through science and academics, I found that many of these you know, Western medicines and things of this nature, many of our evolutionary practices today have been coming from very basic traditions and routines that have been, been practiced by Native Americans, by our ancestors, by the people who started our country, you know, by some legitimate, legitimate people. These uh, Through these seeds, Samantha, Samantha found them. I'm kidding. <laughs> we have fennel seeds, F-E-N-N. El seeds. We have uh, coriander, coriander seeds, coriander uh, seeds, coriander seeds, and cumin seed. And cumin seed. So a mixture. I normally do a teaspoon every morning. Half a teaspoon, actually. Oh, half no. a teaspoon of fennel seeds. Half a teaspoon of cumin seed, and half a teaspoon of coriander seeds is used as a mixture. And what what do you call it? Traditional medicines. Or? Yeah, like traditional medicine. So. There's still a lot of research on it. They make it as a tea now, but it helps benefit digestive health through, you know, gas, bloating. Um, it tries to get your digestive flow going. So, according to WebMD, fennel seeds are a spice harvested from one of several types of herb fennel plant. They have a sweet, powerful flavor that's similar to licorice. Fennel seeds have traditionally been used in Italian cooking, however, they can be used in all types of food. And in recent years, Western culture has opened its doors to creative uses of fennel seeds in recipes let's see health benefits of fennel seeds we have weight loss fennel seeds are sometimes marketed as a weight loss tool there may be some truth to the claim that fennel seeds can aid in weight loss for people with obesity caused by food cravings and overeating fennel seeds could be helpful however further studies are needed to confirm the effect check with your doctor cancer prevention one of the major compounds that found are found in fennel seeds is anethol which can which has been shown to have cancer-fighting properties. Research has shown 
Anathol is effective at destroying breast cancer cells and stopping the spread of both breast and liver cancer cells. These studies have not yet progressed past the lab stage, but initial findings are promising. Increased milk reduction, uh, production for breastfeeding women. Eating fennel seeds increases prolactin. Some studies show the hormone that triggers milk production. Nutrition, in, another to help, in addition to other health benefits, fennel seeds are rich in vitamin C, calcium, iron, magnesium, potassium. We don't have to go through that. Let's see. Um, what else? We have cumin. Cumin seeds. Cumin seed. Cumin seed. So we're gonna scroll down. La 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 la. Wikipedia is not a reliable source. <laughs> it's not. Did it's you look not. up the benefits? The universities won't even let you use it. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what I'm looking for. I'm lo- it wasn't giving me a um, a direct link, so I had to scroll down a little bit. I love these, by the way, because I always have intestinal gastrointestinal. Um, Inflammation, yeah, yeah. especially right before I work out, a lot of supplements always kind of turn my stomach. And um, taking these before working out, especially in the, right in the morning, early in the morning, first yeah. thing, they won't hurt you on an empty stomach. They will not make you nauseous. If you get nauseous on, that means you're taking too much. You know? Well, um, you, you so as though, from right? my place, from my personal experience with taking these in the morning, I love taking them, but I do have to take them with like two glasses of water to keep my stomach from because yes. it. It can dehydrate you, mm-hmm. so it's not like so because it does dehydrate you by providing all these benefits to it. You can get a little nauseous on an empty stomach, um, but you are supposed to drink a lot of water when you take these seeds um, directly. If you want to take them directly, there's also teas. Um, they do make different forms of this mixture that can help with the digestive health. Um, I have irritable bowel syndrome. My whole family does. Most of a lot of people do. Yes, so a lot of people that's. Do why as TMI mentioned before I can get backed up <laughs> and it could be hard for me to have those digestive things so doing the research and trying to find these natural medicines where I don't have to take any like medical supplements to try to get that yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of flowing pharmaceuticals um, or anything, I so. do so I'm used to having bloating pain. I'm used to having this pain where it feels like a bunch of pressure in my stomach, random pains in my sides because I'm so backed up and everything. But since taking these seeds in the morning and I take them daily, I have had reduced bloating. I don't have the pain as severely throughout the day. I definitely take it with a lot of water because they are they dehydrate me. Um, Alex has other symptoms. Um, you know, he doesn't have those those same symptoms. You know, he like he just said he can do it on an empty stomach and have no problem. Um, but, yeah, but from, I'm used to taking supplements and pills yeah. and stuff. And he take, normally chugs water like he doesn't even realize how much water he drinks during I the drink, day. He, like he, he drinks a gallon and a half a day. There's so yeah. much water. So um, definitely, definitely um, with, you know, from personal experience with advice, if you want to stay away from getting a little bit of nauseous, um, definitely make sure you stay hydrated, especially mm-hmm. when you take these in the morning. But they definitely, from experience, you know, we both have been benefiting. Um, they have been helping with you know those IBS symptoms so so we went over cumin seed right no we went no, over, we're going over seeds. cumin seeds now cumin, Dr. Dr. is having a hard time I think the program is slowing my computer down but um you can look it up uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to script my program but cumin cumin seed 
One of our fennel seeds, cumin seed, and then the coriander seeds. So cumin is an herb. The seeds of the plant are used to make medicine. People take cumin for digestion problems, including diarrhea, colic, bowel spasms, and gas. It's also used to increase urine flow to relieve bloating. Some health benefits are it promotes digestion. It is a rich source of iron. It contains it contains beneficial plant compounds that help with digestion. It's not, so this isn't proven, but the research is ongoing. It can help, it says may help with diabetes. So don't take it for anything unless you have 100% research for that. Also says may promote weight loss and fat reduction, may prevent foodborne illnesses. These are just different things that are ongoing research. So I'm not speaking on as the research person. uh... I'm reading this from Helpline. Okay. Helpline.com. It says may help with drug dependence. So definitely do your research. Always do your research. But the cumin does have benefits. It is rich source of iron and different nutrients. And it does promote digestion. And this is all what I am definitely confirming has been enough research to prove that. Oh, heck yeah. But what I am telling you, when I put the word may in front of it, that's stuff that is ongoing research. You know, best do your research. Don't do anything. Yes, please do your own research. Take what we say and what we're doing, what we post about on Instagram, whatever. We post a lot of things that are catering to things that we talk about. And so if you see something or you want to know about something, DM us. Or if you do some research and you find something that contradicts what we had said. Teach us. Yeah, we're here to learn, man. And yes. that's not saying you're wrong, and that's not saying that we're wrong. That's the beautiful thing about science is science, more than one person, can be right sometimes. And yes. these things are very complex. And as podcasters who not are learning Not everybody knows along, everything. Not, yeah. you know, who are learning alongside you. If you find something and you want to add information or you want to correct us and you provide that with us, we have no problem sharing that. Thank you, Samantha. But to um, close it up, let's see. Coriander seeds is our last one. Okay, so uses side effects. Coriander is used for a long-term disorder of the large intestines that causes stomach pain, in parentheses, irritable bowel syndrome, or IBS, uh, constipation, diarrhea, gas, flatulence, um, nausea, athlete's foot. Wow, what? Tinea pedis. P-E-D-I-S. And many other conditions, but there is no good scientific evidence to support these uses. Okay. All right. Um, uses and effectiveness. Insufficient evidence for athlete's foot, long-term disorder for intestines that causes stomach pain, irritable bowel syndrome, or IBS. Anxiety, bacterial or fungal infections, constipation, convulsions, diabetes, diarrhea, insomnia, gas, flatulence, and parentheses, joint pain and swelling, nausea, stomach upset. Why doesn't it say upset stomach? Whatever. Worms? Um, coriander seeds are also full of antioxidants and Alex Mm. loves to talk about antioxidants. I love antioxidants. Um, It has been shown in a study that it has demonstrated immune boosting, anti-cancer, anti-inflammatory, and neuroprotective effects. What's that? I'm reading it off of the health line. One test tube study found that the antioxidants in coriander seed extracted lowered inflammation and slowed the growth of lung, prostate, breast, and colon cancer cells. (laughs) (laughs) Always doing research. And you know, there's always research proving other research wrong, and it's always learning and growing. So like I said, if you find anything that contradicts us, we are not 
the ones doing the research. So yes, well, teach us, and love, we will we love looking gladly at own up to our From mistakes. Every perspective, <laughs> every perspective we love. You know, the true intelligence comes from the ability to understand every perspective in and of its own self. To put yourself truly into the shoes of the enemy and figure them out. There is a what, how, why, and when to everything, especially when it comes to science. And it you know it controls behavior. It controls all sorts of things. And guess what? Human behavior controls history. So if you understand human behavior and you understand on the base level hormones, healthy remedies, things of that nature, you know that's how we're going to carve this path. So one on one, we need to be able to get through this. WebMD does say that the vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants in corridor provide significant health benefits. Corridor leaves and seeds are full of vitamin K, which plays an important role in helping your blood clot. Vitamin K also helps your bones repair themselves, helping prevent problems like osteoporosis. Thank you, Samantha. You're just a little knowledge nut today, aren't you? I get it from you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. I just introduced you to science. I was like, hey, check this out. And you were like, ooh. More research, yes. Alex likes the scientific research parts of learning different things. I am a book nerd, but I am more of a fiction book nerd. So when I was going through a lot of health problems with Alex's advice and helping me learn how to research on my own and see what's credited and what's not credited, you know, it made a significant improvement in my life. So I just want to make sure other people also know that by doing their own research and trying to help improve their lifestyle. Joe Rogan would be proud of us. We have gone for a while keeping good conversation. Great job, Samantha. Thanks for hopping on. We'll, we'll dive into more specifics, but that's all we really wanted to chat about today. Yes. We got a skedaddle. Oh, see, there's my alarm. There's my alarm. We have other obligations. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We really appreciate you. Please reach out to us. Um, my personal is uh, Coach Period Calvert on Instagram. Um, for the Alex Calvert's show, it is uh, you can follow that as well. Is um, type in Alex Period Calvert Show on Instagram, and it'll pop right up with our logo. You'll see it right there. Samantha, remind people how they can get a hold of you. Yes, if you ever want to get a hold of me, I have an Instagram. It is Sauka Samantha. I also have one called Sauka TheReadsTea.com. And that's your book account. Not .com. Right? It's Tea on Instagram. On, I really appreciate you. Everybody, thank you so much again for tuning in. Please contact us. Follow us. We'd love to get, we'd love to hear from you. All right. Have a great night.